Don't forget that we have an event sponsored by Comadres y Comics. What event is that, Jen? So, the event is a hardcover party release for Quince. The bilingual edition, guys. The bilingual edition. So, we will be partying it up at a quinceanera-style party at Heidi Ho on Saturday, January 25th. Heidi Ho Comics is located at 412 Broadway in Santa Monica, California. And... I'm not sure as to the time quite yet because we haven't solidified all of that. But keep an eye out because as the information it comes to us, we will um, get it all out to you guys. But we're doing all this planning early um, and uh, Fanbase Press, the publisher of the book, um, is hoping that by planning so far in advance, they're hoping to ensure the availability of not only the main creative team, which is Sebastian Kadlecik mm-hmm. and the... The Stein Kellner sisters. So they also have contributors to the hardcover that they've invited. And the contributors are executive producer, showrunner, director, and actor from One Day at a Time, Gloria Calderon Kellett. (gasps) Yes, I'm so excited. Yes. Executive producer, showrunner, writer for Mr. Iglesias, which is Peter Murrieta. I heard that show's great on Netflix. I actually really like Mr. Iglesias. Dr. um, Aldama, who is Frederick Lewis Aldama, who who is the doctor Latino or doctor? Yes, he won an Eisner for yes. his um, uh, for his book about Latinx superheroes, superheroes in mainstream That's comics. Right. Yeah. Yes, La Borinquena or no, no, um, no. America Ferrera is in the cover. Um, uh, America Chavez. Yes. Why yes. did I say yes. Ferrera? I always, <laughs> guys, you know what? Just send me home. Uh, and then Chavez. yes, Doctor Rojas, um, Teresa Rojas, who is um, now going to be doing the Latinx. Uh, is it now Expo? In Modesto? Yes. 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 And then Javier Hernandez from El Muerto fame. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, Sabrina Cintron, The Witches, Grimoire, and La Boriqueña. Mm-hmm. Malena Bonilla, um, and also Jose Cabrera. Very exciting, guys. So hopefully you guys please set aside that date so that we can hang out and party it up. <laughs> And also, don't forget to bring money to get your copy of your bilingual hardcover copy of Quince. Hope to see you there. Welcome to another episode of Las Platicas, episode number 14. I am Jen. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kristen. And please forgive Sarah for her voice, but she's feeling a little under the weather right now. <laughs> what does that mean? Why? What did that saying even come from? Under the weather. I want to be on top of the weather. <laughs> I mean, being on top is always where you want to be, but... Uh, like, weird side note, but... Uh, I just watched a movie called Weathering with You. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's just like, maybe it's because, uh, like, under the, like, most, when they mean the weather, uh-huh. they meant rain. Okay. So, like, I guess, like, the the whole, like, you look like you have a rainy cloud over your head. I need to Google thing. this, because now I want to know. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's one of those things. Yeah. That just it is. You don't know the origins of, but everybody says it. Uh-huh. And yeah. knows what it means. Yeah, and knows what it means. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, like Jen said, welcome to another episode of Las Platicas. This is a show hosted by us, your Comadasi Comics podcast, where we meet with creators and friends to talk about upcoming projects, events, and all-around awesome news in the Latinx comic community. Today, we have with us Sebastian Kadlecik. And just side note, remember when we first talked about Quinta before we even met him in person and <laughs> I butchered that name so much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, progress, <laughs> progress. Uh, the pronunciation is actually Kadlechicano. Uh, uh, oh, oh, my God. Yeah. Never mind. You've been saying it wrong. He just, <laughs> he just said, get schooled. <laughs> That's actually my brother's joke. So shout out to my brother. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, and we we went back and forth like, is he Latino? I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. that's not a Latino name. <laughs> yeah. So, now we know. Well, for those of you not in the know, Sebastian is creator of Eisner Award-nominated Quince, a comic published by Fanbase Press. Shout out to Fanbase, one of our favorite local, <laughs> uh, small publishers. Um, and... It is about Lupe, a 15-year-old Latina who, on the day of her quinceanera, learns she has superpowers. He's also the creator of Penguins vs. Possums, another comic published by Fanbase Press, all about the battle between the two species that has escalated towards Armageddon. <laughs> With the big release of Quince, the definitive bilingual edition, coming soon, we, <laughs> we have Sebastian in studio today to talk to us about this amazing project and all things comics and geekdom. So welcome, Look Sebastian. Up. Yes, welcome. I can't believe you're finally here. I know. <laughs> I've, I've like listened to all the podcasts. I've watched some of those like behind the scenes, like just quick little videos uh-huh. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> My day has come. Yes. <laughs> so one day is now. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I mean, when we first started our podcast, Quince was one of the first like yeah. independent publishing books that became on our radar that we shared with our listeners mm-hmm. and our relationship with you and with fan base and all the amazing people over there um, has just grown since and um, that was like how many years ago I mean I the know. mileage you're getting out of this book I, I, was, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that on the way over I was, I was totally thinking about that because we did so I had the idea like 20 maybe 2013 something like that uh-huh. reached out to uh, Kid and Emma and then a fan base I think 2015 uh, but the, it came out, the digitally it came out in 2017. Right, 2017. yeah. And then at the end, I remember we were like, oh, it's only digital, man. Yeah. We want something in our hands. Yeah, <laughs> and we did. We have, I think you guys had just published issue number one yes, in English yes, and yes, Spanish. Yes. We did that for, for, for mm-hmm. comic book day. Mm-hmm. For free comic yeah. book day, yeah. So I think just, that's when we first heard of it, yeah. Yeah, probably. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think so. And, and we had... Um, yeah, we just did that first issue in English and Spanish, and it's similar to the hardcover where you flipped it over. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where we got that original idea from. And then the trade came out end of 2017, and really 2018 was like the big year because the book had just come out, So, mm-hmm. um, and then it was sort of um, – it was getting a lot of uh, attention in 2018. But, yeah, now here we are in 2020. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, hardcover edition. And then in a couple of years, we're like, the special something. The, <laughs> the DVD included. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jen Audio and I, recording. because Sarah had 
previous um, commitments, went to Hemet for their small little Hemet Comic Con. I actually don't remember what it's called. Go, no, it's uh, Hemet. Get your comic on. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and it's a, a little convention sponsored by the Hemet Library. Um, Hemet, for those of you that don't know, is a little community in like the the hills up like uh, above, like kind of close to Palm Springs, I guess. I don't know. Middle or of on nowhere. Your way to Palm Springs, California. Yes, it's literally cows and just like pasture, and that's it. Uh, <laughs> but um, we went and we had a hand. We, I think we had about four or five copies of Quince, yeah. and we sold all of them. Oh, and they awesome. were all. I mean, we talk it up all the time, mm-hmm. and there were so many young readers, um, quite a few of them girls, who picked it up and they're like I want this I want this and parents Aww. can't say no to reading yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was it's so awesome seeing um, people who see it for the first time oh yes so mm-hmm. yeah yes. And, and thank you I mean you this you have always been such great supporters and and I I found you three through doing Kinsa and, and found your podcast and I just oh, was, awesome. I, I fell in love with the podcast and I've been exposed to so many um, so many more people in the community and I yeah. discovered a community you yeah. Know, yeah. Um, only through doing it, you know, and, and, and through finding awesome finds like this podcast and, and um, people supporting each other and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and now we've been on a bunch of panels and <laughs> yeah. stuff together. Yes, and we and have. It's, it's, I feel like the comadres are so much a part of the Quinta journey. I mean, That's I just so recently sweet. said that uh, Univision interview yeah. where Yuri from YNC Comics mm-hmm. was telling them about Lupe and yeah. Quince. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was super awesome. So awesome. So amazing. I didn't know it was going to happen or happen, you know, and then they were like, oh, yeah, they're, and I, obviously, I saw the camera and stuff, and I w- walked over, and I heard Yuri talking, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's <laughs> awesome, and, and, sh- and they're so great. You they, know, are. I, I know they, they are. They are. Yuri is amazing. We have had them on yeah. the podcast uh, for a Las Platicas yeah. episode as well. Yeah, I think the coolest thing is that they do the English and the yes. Spanish, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so that's, I think it broadens their audience. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, I mean, it. I'm telling you, man, on Christmas Eve, I took out my book, and I showed it to my niece, and she completely fell in love with it. I had to give it to her. But she just was, like, really, and her mom was like, I can't believe she's reading it. Like, she doesn't really read. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really see her pick up books. But she just kept on reading, and I was like, I got to take some pictures of this. But yeah, so oh, yeah she was that was super happy. Awesome, that was awesome mm-hmm. picture that, that was we shared. Really nice. I was like, and she, after that, like when they were going back to Arkansas, she's like, "Thank you for my book, Dia." She gave me a big hug. Aww. It was super Aww. sweet. It was such a an amazing thing that I just had with her through Kinsey. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Aww, sharing comics with the kids of Arkansas. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, really, that's really beautiful. That's really cool. So, um. You kind of gave us a little bit of background about how Quinta came about and everything, but we would love to have you introduce yourself to our listeners that might not know that much about you by telling them a little bit about your love for comics and how that led um, for you to yourself become a comic creator. Yeah, so I'm uh, originally from the Bay Area, California, mm-hmm. uh, but up near San Francisco, and um, I've always drawn, I think the, my first introduction to comic books came through the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I fell in love with those, and then people just started giving me 
everything Superman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that included a really large, um, I almost acted it out, but then I remembered we're on a podcast. Um, <laughs> but they, they, that included a really large format comic book about the Fortress of Solitude and then a book that mm-hmm. was a collection that was Superman from the 30s to the 70s. Oh, cool. Um, cool. Which was really cool to see how, just how comics changed yeah. over that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was my first introduction as a kid. It was really when I was in, like, third and fourth grade, though, that I fell in love with comic books. And by then, I'd been drawing a ton. I, I uh, My parents split up when I was really young, and so my mom was a single mom for, for several years, and she would bring home, like, stacks of paper for me to draw on. So mm-hmm, I just, mm-hmm. that kept me busy. I just drew all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, before I even knew what I was making in terms of comics and stuff, but by third and fourth grade, I really started collecting comic books i was collecting hulk and especially amazing spider-man and i i found out about like back issues and so i started i mean at that time you had to actually go to the shops or shops or go to the comic book conventions and stuff and really hunt for that stuff and find the best deal and all and i really got into it at that point and was creating my own i was making my own comics my own universes i still have a ton of them from oh when I was awesome like nine nice. years old you know and, and i kept doing that through maybe when i was 15 and i kept reading comic books but at some point around there i started getting interested in like filmmaking and acting and all that kind of stuff but when i was in college um i had a friend who was in the theater department who was like oh but have you heard of kabuki and, oh, and, yeah. and I was like, no, what's that? And so he Ugh. introduced me to Kabuki, and I was like, my mind was blown. It totally <laughs> brought me back into comic books. I was like, whoa, you can do this too? And yeah. I was a very, particularly in college, I was very experimental with my artwork, and I was really, you know, so deep and so, like, you know, <laughs> philosophical and stuff. Yeah. And, and David Mack through Kabuki, yeah. just, that's everything he was doing. And the, the artwork spoke to me, the, the story spoke to me. And so I, I was like, I got to get mom back. and daughter relationship. Yeah. Right? And the, 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 all of the sort of female relationships, both in her head and out. Like, yeah. I just was like, it really spoke to me. Yeah. And um, so I started picking all those up and I got back into comic books. And, and as, a, as a creative person, I also was just so inspired by what he did. Like, he threw away all the rules and just did, you know, whatever fit that story. And it was just so beautiful. And, mm-hmm. and um, so I was like, well, I want to get back into, you know, making comics. So I, I kept doing artwork. And, and I, I think before we started, we talked a little bit about, like, spray paint art and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. I, I've always been into experimenting with that type of stuff okay, as cool. an artist. Yeah. So even though I wasn't doing comic books, I was always creating artwork. Yeah, yeah. And then I came to L.A., uh, as an actor, actually, and I had a friend who was really into comics, and he was like, let's make a comic book. So I did all this research, and that comic never came to fruition. No, yeah. um, <laughs> but not too long after that, I was glad that I did that research because I ended up working this job at Warner Brothers that was not exciting or sexy at all. Um, <laughs> but, but next to me was um, this guy who, it turned out, really loved comics, really loved film, and really loved drawing and it was sort of that sandbox love for me of like well you draw i draw let's draw yeah. <laughs> and uh and we i actually had a i had a table at the long beach comic convention i was just going to take a portfolio maybe sell some artwork and we were like let's like make a comic <laughs> and and so we did and i had uh i had come up with penguins versus possums when i was still in college and kind of built the mythology it was for a school project but we were like let's do it as a legit 
comic book <laughs> and like really take it seriously and and still have all the fun and stuff, but do do a comic book that we're really proud of. And we just plan on doing one issue uh-huh. to see how it went. And uh, so that was the start. And we went to Long Beach, and the first hour was the most painful. Cause, you know, <laughs> you're like, is anybody going to buy this? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and then one person does, and then another person does. And, and it was really awesome. And, and we did, we actually self published the first four issues. Mm-hmm. And then, which was so much work. Um, <laughs> but I would keep seeing fan base press at all of these events, whether it was uh, Indie Comic Day at a comic book shop or mm-hmm. if it was at a convention or whatever. And they just seemed so nice mm-hmm. and so supportive of other creators and so hardworking and and oh my gosh yes right (laughs) i do not know where where barbara gets her energy (laughs) i mean i feel like everybody says it but it's so true yeah yeah for zombies who do you sacrifice in order to get going? <laughs> when I found out that she actually had a regular, a regular job. day job, I was like, what? I thought this was your full-time job. Yeah. I totally did. Yeah. When, when I found that out, it was almost like Santa's not real. I was like, yeah. I was like what? <laughs> you can't have a day job. This is, how do you have time to exactly. have a day job? Exactly, yes. And oh, so I kept seeing them, and they, they were like, hey, do you guys want to join forces? And so they published uh, Penguins versus Possums from our first trade through our final eight issues and final trade. And I loved working with them so much mm-hmm. that when I did come up with the idea for Ginza, I was they were the first people I took it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of rebranding a little bit at the time. So I said, you know, I don't know if this is going to fit with, like, what you're trying to do or your slate or whatever, but mm-hmm. you're the first people I want to bring it to because I've so enjoyed yeah, working yeah. with you. And mm-hmm. they right away were like, oh, well, no, this is what we wanted. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that is super cool. I love the origin story, too, of Penguins yeah. vs. Possible. That is <laughs> <pretty> <laughs> funny. That's, that's actually a really fun book. And, and From the battles of Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> All this was going on while I should have been doing my other job. <laughs> Um, but that, that, uh, so this obviously is mainly penguins and possums and it is a really silly idea, but we always said it's like a silly idea that we take very seriously. So we always wanted to build a really strong story and an epic, you know, adventure mm-hmm. uh, along with it being kind of funny that they're penguins. And yeah. Possums. I mean like the whole like plants versus zombies thing and they have built a whole yeah. entire franchise on it, on an idea that's. Was from an app game. Yeah, yeah, and you like have done an app game is what you're telling <laughs> me. <laughs> Maybe there's still time. Yeah, too late. <laughs> yeah, I have a quick question. Yeah, you know how? Sorry for your loss. Yeah. Um, the character who passes away, he has a comic book coming out, and there's a splash page where his students make it a mural. Yeah, and within the mural, there are words in the drawing. Mm-hmm. Like of wishes, of thoughts and things that were close to his heart. One of the things was the teacher asked, "Do you know what Einstein is?" Mm-hmm. And then his wife said, "Like his widow was like, yes, that's a comic book um, prize." Mm-hmm. Was that a thought in your head? Did you even think that this would be nominated for an Einstein? No, I, I thought you were going because mm-hmm. Steinkelner is yeah, the, yeah, exactly. the creator. <laughs> Sorry for your loss. Yes. Um, I. No, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't important. You know what I mean? Like I knew of Eisner's, and it it did seem like because for anyone who doesn't know, the Eisner's are like the Oscars of mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Comic, comic books, and so it always seemed like why why put that as a goal or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. But especially for Kinsey, it was such a personal story, and it was so much about 
you know, I mean, I, I guess I haven't gone into it too much, but, you know, inspired by my family and wanting representation for my nieces and, and looking to my mom and, you know, all of the amazing Latinas in my life, uh, including my stepmom and her family, my wife and her family, you know, and it was always about that. And it, I think once we had pages to show, somebody at a comic book shop had brought up Eisner wow. uh, very early on. Mm-hmm. They had seen some pages and they were like, oh, Eisner. And mm-hmm. I remember uh, fanbase kind of conveying that to me. And, and I was like, whoa, I hadn't even thought about that. And then it was sort of like you just put it on a shelf and you don't think about it again anyway because yeah. you just want to make the thing. It's, it's also one of those things like, oh, like, <laughs> like if it, it would be nice, but yeah. like it doesn't seem real, especially when there's so many comic books Absolutely. coming out. Yeah. But it's like, like it's a it's a big deal, and yeah. like you guys did a great job with the book. It is one hundred percent Eisner worthy. Oh, thank you. That's, yep. that's so nice. That's so that means it re- honestly means so much. We were in the audience that <laughs> year. Oh my god! Yeah, um, you. your nomination. Yes, yeah. and we were there when uh, she said. Quint. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I we forgot were, about we, that. We that's were right. very angry that's on right. your behalf. We, we yelled very loudly from the back of the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny about the title too. Well, well, so first of all, for the Eisner, it, it was uh, for the nomination. It was absolutely surreal. Like it was, it was <clears> like you said, it's not something that you think is attainable. So it was like, oh, that would be cool, but I'm not gonna hope for it because you don't want to be let down, or yeah. you don't want to, you don't want that to be the focus, you know. Um, so when it did, ha- of course, we were elated, and it was such a cool thing because it also, it also raises awareness of the book. You yeah. Know, yes. At any time, um, we were nominated for several awards, and what was always cool about it was then librarians found out, or oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, schools or whatever found out, and that was what was cool is it raised sort of the, the awareness meter of it. But mm-hmm. but in terms of the title, I never thought about it. I was just always like, oh, it's Keynes. Like for me, right. it was oh, the same. Like, yeah. And yeah. then somebody said Quince, and I was like, huh? Oh. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I showed it to my uncle like before. I didn't tell people about it, you know. And I was like, oh, here's a postcard because he lives in San Diego. So uh-huh. when we were there, I think for the Eisners, um, he, I was like, oh, look at this thing, and he's like, oh, Keynes, oh, cool, you know. And I was like. Every once in a while we get someone in the shop that I'll be like, and in this book, and they'll say that out loud. I'm like, no, actually, <laughs> it's, it's Kinsa. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, uh, I guess it's a good sort of uh-huh. teaching or learning opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's funny, like, stuff like that is like, we, we automatically register it as Kinsa. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those words. And I have found that because of how I grew up as well, there's some English words that I look at. And I'm just uh, like, I'm going to say it with a Spanish, how my mom would say it. Right. And like, in my head, and not even thinking about it. And they're like, no, you're saying it wrong. <laughs> and it's just like one of those things uh, that kind of, like, make it authentic yeah. as well. Because, like, it's, uh, that's, you're bringing your own Latin identity to it and uh i wanted to ask how do you see your role in the comic book industry being shaped by your latinx heritage and experience because like with just the name of the book itself you kind of kind of see as well yeah no that's that's i i feel like my experience in the comic book Mm -hmm. world is 100 percent tied to it because i mean you bring sort of who you are you bring your perspective Mm -hmm. you bring your point of view you bring the lens through which you see the world and i 
even in Penguins versus Possums, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't consider that a Latinx book or anything, but yeah. <laughs> the ma- there's two human characters. There's one main human character, and it was a conscious decision. She's Latina. Mm-hmm. And we don't make a big deal about it or whatever, but I told my creative partners, I was like, she's Latina. Yeah. And she's got my abuela's last name. <laughs> and that's who she is, you yeah. know? And that informs her, you know? And so uh, that was a really small thing, but, but even that book, where yeah. it was like, this is something that I can consciously inject where our hero is mm-hmm. a Latina and that's our sort of way into this world. That's our cipher is is a Latina. And I think that that's awesome, you know, yeah. and in terms of uh, obviously Quince was so um, inspired by, you know, identity and by mm-hmm. seeing a lack of representation in an underserved community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I wouldn't change that title. You know what I mean? Like for me, Mm because there was also in the, in the trade, when we're doing the trade, there was talk of like, Oh, what are we else going to do? Oh, we should maybe have a, a glossary of terms and blah, blah. And that's cool. That's totally cool. Mm -hmm. But there was a part of me that was like, you know, this is, this is for everyone, but this is with Latinos in mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to try and tailor it or like have to change the name or have to like, like because there's obviously there's Spanglish throughout the book to have to put in, uh, in, you know, brackets or put a, an asterisk, uh, an asterisk mm-hmm. and then in the back you can figure I was like, let's, let's, I think through context clues, people can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And if not, it opens up a conversation and, yeah. you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and everybody was cool with that. It was just a discussion that we had, but it, but it just speaks to your point of like, in terms of authenticity and in terms of, of mm-hmm. who you are informing your work and also the, deci- the, deci- wow, the decisions <laughs> that you make within your work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's totally tied to it. And now, obviously, my, like, Keen said, as you said, I'm getting so much mileage out of it. <laughs> uh-huh. But, like, now I have other, uh, like, next creators come up to me and be like, oh, I was inspired by Kinsey. Or, mm-hmm. oh, oh, that's awesome. It's, that's really you know, cool. It's opened up doors for me on this project because you guys got the Eisner yeah. nomination. Yeah. Whatever. You know, like, stories like that where it, it positively affected other Latinx creators, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, I'm even more tied to, mm-hmm. you know, my role in comic books being part of, or, or my, my Latino identity being part of my role in comic books. Mm-hmm. And now all the panels that I'm on, I mean, <laughs> when I was doing Bangers vs. Boston's, I'd be on, like, oh, create your own comics, or, mm-hmm. like, anthropomorphic characters, or whatever. <laughs> and, and now it's all either has to do with quince or has to do with being Latino. So it's mm-hmm. like... Or representation in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's, I feel like it's very in, intricately woven, you know, and, and and really, though, I think larger, it just, you kind of, you bring yourself, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think in order to tell honest and, and authentic stories, that's, that's where, that's the place from which you're creating, mm-hmm. so. I don't know. Did that answer? <laughs> yes, it, you did very well oh, in yeah, answering yeah, yeah. my question. Because, like, and I especially like it because it's you could have very easily named the book numbers, just fifteen on right, it, right. just fifteen. And I think even oh, then yeah, yeah, we yeah. would have like most Latinos would have gotten it because yeah, like quinceanera. Yeah. But other people would have been like fifteen. What do, what do you mean fifteen? Mm-hmm. But they, and then it would have been that fifteen instead of. Quince, yeah. very, and that's very, very Latinx. Yeah. 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 So, Sebastian, as you know, we here at Comadesi Comics have been fans of Quince since the, since the first issue dropped. The first single issue. That's how long <laughs> The ago. single wow. and only issue. 
Um, but with the new hardcover that's coming out, Quince, the definitive bilingual edition hardcover, um, it's coming out um, very soon uh, this month. Can you share with us any special things to look out for that may not have been in any of the past published books? Oh, absolutely. I'm so proud of this hardcover. Uh, I love talking about it. <laughs> um, uh, so first of all, it's a hardcover. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. the, the paperback, uh, which I still think is, is beautiful, and uh, but this hardcover stands the test of time. You know, like it's mm-hmm. durable. Yeah. It looks like it belongs in a library or awesome. a school or... Uh, the Smithsonian, <laughs> but but Library I, of Congress. Yes. Um, let's make it happen. Um, but I think the hardcover is just so. Uh, it, my the first thing my wife did was put it on the coffee table. She's mm-hmm. like, "This is like a coffee table." Book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it's also oversized, so oh, okay. it's oh. much larger format than the trade paperback was. Um, there's also a brand new cover that Emma did, ooh, um, which ooh. is really, really lovely. And then inside, there's all kinds of tasty morsels. So there's uh, two forewords, uh, one of them by Gloria Calderon Kellett of mm. One Day at a Time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about Quinces in her uh, in her foreword. Was it a copy of Quinces actually in the show? You know what? I don't think that it was. They We had signed a release and everything for it, and then we thought we saw a picture of it, and I think it turned out to be a different book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I want to... Because I saw your pasta... Your other book in the Sorry for Your Loss series. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think Kinsa and Penguins vs. Possums are in Sorry for Your Loss. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Gloria, I mean, first Latina to have this yes, huge overall yes. deal and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, she did one forward. And then Peter Murrieta, he uh, is the showrunner of Mr. Iglesias. And I love he, that show. <laughs> <laughs> and he, uh, he also, I think, worked on One Day at a Time. And he did, oh, and he did uh, Wizards of Waverly Place, which I didn't oh, watch because I was okay. too old. But he on m- Disney? On yeah. Disney, yeah. yeah. I didn't watch it either, but my little sister is currently re-watching it because oh. she watched it when she was like yeah, six yeah, yeah. or seven and stuff like that. So I just hear it going on in the background <laughs> all the time. Well, he, well Peter, um, mm-hmm. I guess he, in his foreword, had talked about this episode. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, i got to go check out this episode because there's an episode where there's a quince. Mm-hmm. And yes. um, so I ran over to Disney Plus and was yeah, like, yeah. I got to watch this episode. Yes. And it was absolutely delightful. You know, mm-hmm. um, the, it's the story of the, they're, they're sort of a magic family. And the mom never had a quince. And so the daughter mm-hmm. switches, uh, does a body swap with her so that her mom gets to experience it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Peter, spoiler for that episode. But it was, <laughs> it's it only was, been out for a couple of years. I know, right? Uh, but it was really, really lovely. <laughs> it was really lovely. Um, and Peter's a really, really nice guy. Um, and then we've got, oh, we've got an academic essay from Frederick Luis Aldama, who oh, actually yeah. is an nice. Eisner yeah. award-winning yes, uh, yes. for his book, uh, Latinx Superheroes in Mainstream Comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he wrote this um, academic essay, and it's beautiful. Uh, it, it's like, mm-hmm. I, I read it, and it was like poetry. I was like, I want to read an entire book of this. Um, <laughs> there is one. It's I called Latinx. It's called <laughs> a, I was like, <laughs> ah, turns out there is <laughs> um, but he And he's been such a supporter. He's supportive of everyone. He really know? is. He he's is. an awesome guy. He's amazing. Um, and then there's a, oh, there's a study guide 
by Dr. Teresa Rojas. Oh, um, nice. And that blew my mind because I was like, there's a study guide of Ginza. This is incredible. It was yeah. so amazing. Yeah. And reading through it, I was just, I was blown away by that as well. And then in the back, the, the well, there's also a letter from me that sort of talks about the origin of the whole thing and is very mushy. And then <laughs> um, at, in the very back of the hardcover is an art gallery and it's all Latinx artists oh, nice. and it's all their version of Lupe uh-huh. in her costume. Oh, that's um, cool. And as somebody Ammunition. <laughs> as, as somebody who um, grew up on comic books I al- and I was an artist, I always loved seeing art galleries in the back where people yeah. did their, mm-hmm. their version yeah. of a character. And now you have one. And now we have one. It's so <laughs> awesome. Oh, and I didn't even say, so one of the biggest things, obviously, is the bilingual edition. So if you right. look at it from the front, it's the whole story plus bonus features in English. And if you turn it over and look at it from the front, it's the yeah. whole story and bonus features in Spanish. So. That's awesome. Yeah, we're cool. That is cool. I love that. And we, we made sure that both sides are the front. So there's the UPC code on both sides of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I got to flip through it briefly before I gave it away. <laughs> but I'm oh, going to no. get my own copy again. I'm definitely oh, paying another That's right. You did an unboxing. Yes, I did. Because you, you supported the, the Kickstarter. Yeah, no, it was great. That's awesome. Okay. When I saw the picture and I, I read your um, your comments... I actually didn't realize that it was the hardcover that she was reading. I just like kind of glanced at it or whatever, and yeah, felt, oh, okay, it cool. was. I think it got the abuela special, which yeah. Been, yeah, and a little um, like a little postcard that was signed. Oh, it was okay. great. It was oh, great. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing that unboxing and, and for sharing it. It, it was, it was so great. Mm. I was like, oh my god, I can do an unboxing <laughs> because I really love unboxing. I just never have anything to unbox. <laughs> so, so whenever I get a chance, I do it. <laughs> I never would have thought of that. But I like it. Yeah, that's a good idea. So, uh, how long between the printing of the soft cover of Quinte and then deciding to make it a hard cover? Uh, like, how long that that, pro- that process took a long time, or uh, what enabled? I know sometimes it's very hard to get stuff uh, printed in hard cover. Yeah. So and. Sarah just mentioned that she supported the Kickstarter. Like, uh, how does how did that work out? Did Fanbase Press initialize the Kickstarter, or did you? Yeah, that's a good question. So it was actually it wasn't officially a Kickstarter. It was just a pre-order. So we had oh, different okay. uh, sort of different, but similar to Kickstarter, we had different tiers. So we mm-hmm. had the Abuela, uh, Awesome Abuela Special. Mm-hmm. We had the Hot Cheetos special, and then, uh, I think the Hot Devon special, and, and depending on which, uh, when you ordered, you got one of those different specials, and they included different things. One of them was just a discounted uh, uh, price on the book. One of them included a pin. One of them included a pin mm-hmm. and a print. Um, so, but in terms of the actually deciding to do the hardcover, it was something we had kind of kicked around and always seemed out of our resources Mm -hmm. to be able to do. But ever since we did the trade, people were always asking, well, where's the whole thing in Spanish? Where's the whole thing Uh, in Spanish? Yeah, Yeah. and I was one of those too. I was like, hey, Sebastian, when's the Spanish one coming out? (laughs) And we wanted so badly to do it, but it was a matter of financial resources. Right. right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so when when Fanbase came and was like, hey, Mm -hmm. it was them that initiated. They They were like, hey, we think we're going to be able to do a full thing in English and mm-hmm. Spanish hardcover. And my brain melted. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought, wow. Because I, I honestly thought 
Mm-hmm. If that sort of thing were ever to happen, it would be in like 10 years or something, you know. Yeah. It'd be like, oh, good, the anniversary, and we all finally saved up enough money or, you know, whatever <laughs> it was. But when they came um, to me and said, hey, we think this is a possibility, I I was blown away. I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly how long it was after the um, the paperback was released, but we started talking about it fairly early, but it was just always sort of like, something that was like way down the line uh-huh. um i can't i can't honestly remember exactly when uh they came about like hey this is a reality but i think it was it, we've been working on it for a while mm-hmm. you know and and huge kudos and huge credit to fan base i mean in terms of getting all that stuff wrangled because i was even like i don't think i have time to like <laughs> resize everything even yeah so got somebody yeah. to do that uh-huh. they got, uh, wow shout out to yano ransford but like they they got someone to actually compile everything size mm-hmm. everything up you know etc and you know that never occurred to me that that's that's something that people would have to do yeah because yeah. they're the uh, Trade is a very small compared in yeah. size and compared to yeah. yeah and very squarish yeah uh-huh. not only that we always forget about the money like I'm here asking you every convention so do you think you're gonna come out with the Spanish version um, <laughs> anytime soon in print and it's like we forget that it costs, it money, costs yeah. money yeah there has to be a uh, market out there for it yeah. there has yeah. to be a calling for it and shout out again to Fanbase Press for making it happen. Yeah, absolutely, and and hardcovers are not cheap. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was you know big big shout out to them for making it happen. I mean that's ta- and that's them taking a gamble and taking a risk on mm-hmm. hoping to get all that money back and you know and and uh, but uh, but they really felt that it was worth it. You mm-hmm. know, and that's something again. You asked me earlier about fan base press and stuff, and and they've been so supportive from the jump particularly with Ginze mm-hmm. like and they've put all of themselves and all of their efforts and really making sure that we did hit awards um you know eligibility and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. reaching out and spreading the word yeah. and, and and getting us in you know as many cons and panels and 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 all that stuff and in terms of all the people that are involved I mean I just listed a ton of people that contributed to the yeah. hardcover mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful to them as well for for volu- for for their time because mm-hmm. I mean everybody's busy everybody's doing stuff and to take the time out to to say this is worth investing in and I'm going to help spread the word about this too is really really means a lot mm-hmm. but yeah fan base um, you know Barbara and Bryant they really got all those people <laughs> wrangled all those people that's not something I could have done so mm-hmm. um it, they initiated and they I would say executed really well the mm-hmm. the hardcover. Well, that sounds amazing. And we we uh shower praise on Fanbase Press all the time, <laughs> but and uh you've talked a bit about your experiences with them, but uh do you have any uh recommendations to creators who are looking to publish their own work and how like not just like with, with Fanbase Press if that's a possibility, but just like how about how they to go about yeah. create not just creating but publishing it yeah like officially yeah mm-hmm. um and that's that's actually a great you know differentiation mm-hmm. too and and i remember the first time i sat on the other side of the table like how awesome that felt you know <laughs> yeah and, yeah and to have a um a tangible um you know when it goes from being an idea to being something tangible that you can hold in your hand and mm-hmm. sell to people or tell people about even you know share that thing is such a such a powerful moment mm-hmm. um i think if you're starting out uh, i i definitely would recommend a fanbase press but i do think their slate is is probably pretty full <laughs> um but i i think reaching out to um reaching out to them reaching out to any sort of small indie 
mm-hmm. press is a really good way to go. You can also self-publish. You know, that's something mm-hmm. that I had mm-hmm. that I did for the first few issues of of uh, Penguins versus Possums um, with my team, and it, it it gets it out there. You know, and then we went from that to a small press publisher. Um, but I think. I think doing it is uh, that's such a I don't mean that to sound like trite or whatever, but I think actually putting in that work, recognizing it's a lot of work. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's a lot of work just for the production of the comic book. You know, I mean, there are yeah. so many hours where, it, especially with Penguins versus Possums, because there was you know several whole issues that I did to lay out the pencils, the inks, Whoa. you know, and mm-hmm. it's a lot. Of, and those are those are big issues. We did like. 28 page and then the final issue was like 40 pages wow. or something. so wow. that's a lot of just hours spent and for the first few we worked traditionally and then switched over to oh. digital speed, oh. speed things up a little bit yeah but like recognize that's a lot of work i eventually had to go okay you need to spend some time with like your girlfriend <laughs> so that she can become your fiance and, um, and then your baby mom and then my baby mom <laughs> Um, but that's a that's a real thing. Like how much you're in, you're investing? Because I think sometimes people do think like, oh yeah, I want to do it. It's going to be easy, you know, blah blah. blah. But mm-hmm. if you really care about it, you really want to do good work. It's a lot of work. And then that's just the production of the company. Right. Then yeah. When I was self publishing, and one reason I was so happy to join Fanbase Press because they took over all this stuff. But like I was setting us up, and you have experience with this as well for a lot of it. Like setting us up with comic book conventions, mm-hmm. um, doing all that paperwork and stuff, and then reaching out to comic book shops so do you do consignment will you buy it up front you know blah blah, blah. following up with all those comic book shops taking them more copies and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and then reaching out to people for interviews and reviews because those things don't always just come to you particularly yeah. if you are just starting out like you have to reach out and say would you like to review my book would mm-hmm. you like to talk about it can i send you a copy you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's just a lot of stuff that i think people don't think about that is very time consuming yeah. but worth it if you want to get mm-hmm. your stuff out there and you want mm-hmm. people to find out about it and know about it I think doing all those things. I also say people are always welcome to contact me directly. Um, when I first was starting, I think I was still self-publishing at this time. Um, some other self-publishers were coming to me, and I gave them my whole list of, like, um, uh, not industry contacts, uh, how do you, like, uh news people people that would write reviews and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, critics yeah <laughs> I, I would give them comic book critics <laughs> i would give them uh, or the the people that were creating the comics would give them a whole list of people to contact you know because I was like, yeah, I've spent the last year or so compiling this list, but I'm not going to be that guy that's like, do it yourself, like, figure it yeah. out. Yeah. I suffered, you suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think if you can find other people like that that are supportive of the community and stuff, go to conventions. Oh, talk no, to yeah, for yeah. sure. Talk to, you know, go We've to met panels. so many people yeah. through yeah. conventions. And, and you mentioned like it earlier when you were answering uh, an earlier question that the Latinx community is just so supportive Absolutely. and just very close knit and honestly um you kind of realize how small it really is because you keep seeing the same people yeah. over and over again <laughs> um but uh the groups, uh, whether it be on Facebook or in real life or whatever, that I that we've just become a part of doing this podcast, have all been so positive and so supportive and just so amazing, and um, really are doing the work out there to yeah. just get eyes on Latinx creators and content, and I think that's amazing. Yeah, just like you, a lot of them are like, if you have any questions. 
please, you know, let me know. Like, there was this one guy I met in East Nertino in Pennsylvania, and he's like, I'm not the type of person who's going to withhold information if you have any questions or if you have anybody who has questions. Give my email. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, def- I feel like that's so important, I mean, in terms of supporting the community. Because a lot of people don't know where to start or they don't know, yeah. you know, they they have an idea and then they're like, the, you know, they've been paralyzed for the last... Actually, I met this guy at the last convention. We had done a um, a quince panel and he came up after me. He waited and he came up after me, a- after the panel to talk to me. And he was like, hey, I've had these characters in my head for like 20 years and I want to do something with it. And you really inspired me. And, you know, and we talked for a while after the panel. And he was, uh, he, he actually said that he couldn't afford a quince for his daughter. So the book really, you know, touched him and he, and, and, and he just mm-hmm. felt really energized to like put his story out there and his care. And so. I, I feel like moments like those you only are going to get if you go to the conventions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether you're on either side of that conversation, the only way you get that is from going to a convention. Yeah, definitely. And you touched upon being an artist. I mean, doing the art for puzzles versus penguins. Mm-hmm. As an artist, um, what would you tell our audience out there who want to hone in their, their skills as yeah. well? Um, I would say... Uh, I mean, I guess it's a given, but practice. I mean, I talked earlier about how I was just drawing all the time. Since nine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was doing comics since nine, but I've been drawing since even before. Yeah, and, it, yeah. and it's like, it wasn't, I didn't draw all the time to get better. I just drew all the time because I loved it. But I think putting in those hours, no matter what you're doing, you're going to get better at that thing. Practice, practice, practice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think that is really important. And, and what I would also say is with social media and with, um, resources like YouTube, it's so much easier now to to learn things. You know, mm-hmm. like, I learned how to letter comics through YouTube. I learned how to co- color comics through YouTube. Wow. And there's the, there's drawing um, tutorials all the time on, on YouTube. And people that I grew up, artists that I grew up loving, like Todd McFarlane, he was doing just, like, drawing tutorials and, mm-hmm. like, all of these. For free. For yeah. free. Yeah. yeah. And that, that is, like, I don't know if people... I don't want to be like, oh, kids today. But, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if people really do understand that, like, f- the freeness of that yeah. is yeah. so amazing. And just not only the that. access of it. Yeah. I mean, I there was a time when you would have to go to a convention to mm-hmm. get that kind of experience. I was just going to say that I'm, like, the only time that I could actually see somebody, like, do something amazing was, like, watching David Mack paint in his book when I went <laughs> yeah. to the convention, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But now we can see it on on Instagram. Even on Instagram. Even on Instagram. Yeah. 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 yeah, on Instagram and stuff like that. Like, uh, when the Venom movie came out, Todd McFarlane, as a promotional piece, did like a, uh, I'll teach you how to draw Venom. Wow. Uh, oh really? So, yeah. Oh, cool. And it was like, and it was like he had a giant whack on tablet. Yeah. Yeah, like the really like nice ones, and I was just like, money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's how. Oh, that's how. <laughs> Funny story. We went to um, a Stanley tribute in, I think it was Beverly Hills. I don't remember, but friends of ours had tickets. They invited us to come along. Um, that's awesome. And uh, Todd McFarlane was in the green room, and he walked up to Eddie and was like. Oh, nice to see you again. Like, he knew him, and he's like, Yeah, hi! <laughs> he's like shaking his hand. <laughs> he's like, I've never met him before in my life. <laughs> And like, I'm like, go follow him. Yeah. yeah, tell him you're you're ready to start that project. 
That's awesome. <laughs> hey, want to invest in a comic book store? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> That's funny. And honestly, if it wasn't for social media, I would have no idea that you were also an artist. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. when you started posting stuff, I'm like, what? He draws? <laughs> oh, my God. This is cool. And so, like, uh, uh a small little plug, but you also have an Etsy store that you I sell do. your oh, stuff you. on. Yeah. Etsy, yeah. Yeah, I um I, I do a lot of art and, and I post mainly on my Instagram I guess, but also on Facebook. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I have an Etsy store. Do you have clout? Do I have clout? I don't even know what that means, so I guess I don't <laughs> Instagram clout. It means that you have a lot of followers. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm not an influencer. No. I've, in, I've influenced nothing. Um, but. <laughs> no, sometimes, sometimes what she says, I'm like, what is that? Because <laughs> like, she's so in the know and yeah. I'm just like so old. I'm like. I don't know what she's talking about, but okay, not not in wave. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I got clout on the street. Oh, on Instagram, no. I'm, I'm, no. <laughs> but yeah, I have it. So I, um, I, it's so funny. I think it's called. So my Instagram is at Sebastian Artist, but I think the, the Etsy store is like also Sebastian Artist. I'm horrible at this, but, <laughs> but I do have an Etsy store. I'm sure you can find me. I'm sure I'm the only person that has my name in the world. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny, but no, yes. Um, I, I I think there was a Spider Gwen or something that you might have done I do recently. A lot of, I do a lot of sketch covers. And yeah. you just posted that it was sold. I'm like, what? How did uh, I miss this one? <laughs> I have a Spider Gwen purse. I have a Spider Spider Gwen uh, wallet. I have the sweatshirt, including the face mask. <laughs> oh, awesome! So, mm-hmm. um, keep yes, your eye so, out. Maybe there'll be another. One. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, so check out Sebastian on Etsy because all of his amazing art is up there. Um, you touched upon it a little bit earlier about how Quince was all about identity for you and that that was really important. But on a bigger scale, do you feel any? like responsibility in the Latinx comic community to really include representation in the work that you do? I do. Um, I think that if I think that if I'm going to talk about a lack of representation or a lack of authenticity or, or if I'm going to point things out and I'm in a position to as a creative to actually make things mm-hmm. then I've kind of put that responsibility on myself of like, well, then I should do something about it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's very much where Quince came from and maybe to a smaller extent where even injecting, um, you know, a Latina lead character in Penguins versus Possums mm-hmm, came mm-hmm. from in terms of thinking of all the stuff in the future that I want to do. It's certainly something that I think about. And I think on a, on a larger level, also just what we talked about in terms of support, I feel like Quince has gotten a certain level of, you know, uh, recognition and success. And so I feel a responsibility to support others, to amplify other voices. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We've we, all, all of us have talked in panels about, you know, a spectrum of um, experiences within the Latinx community mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and different things will resonate with different people and you know so i think the more kind of voices that are out there and if i can help that if i if whether it's mine or whether it's me saying hey check this out or hey check that out or finding an opportunity for someone else to 
work on a project, like if somebody brings something to me and I'm like, oh, I can't do it, but hey, I know somebody else who can. You right, know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that in terms of responsibility, that's something also that I see mm-hmm. on myself. I will, I will say, though, I, I have a responsibility to sort of point people in that direction and to amplify voices. Um, but on the other hand, I don't feel like uh, paralyzed by that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I still want to, you know, create stuff that means something to me. And I still want to, if I'm going to say something's awesome, um, I'm going to mean it. You know, I'm not going to just because it's a, uh, Latinx artist be like, this is awesome. I'll say, Hey, check this out because it might appeal right. to somebody, even though it didn't appeal to me. Right. So right. I'm not mm-hmm. going to, I'm never going to be like, don't check this out. Right. I'm always going to try yeah. and amplify people, amplify voices, et cetera, mm-hmm. and say, Hey, look at this. You might like it. I, you know, and leave it at that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but well, that's my go-to. <laughs> well, yeah. Because yeah. I, cause I feel like, I mean, we talk about, we talk about authenticity and we talk about, like, if, like, we want, you know, if we're going to say this is awesome, then we should believe that this mm-hmm. is awesome, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that's my little <laughs> responsibility spiel. <laughs> and, um, so for anybody, uh, creators listening, what challenges have you faced with your projects and what lessons can you pass on from what you've learned from tackling them? I know you uh, brushed upon them briefly with penguins versus possums and stuff like that. Uh, but more uh, more above that, how do you keep creating as well? <laughs> I think that in terms of uh, hurdles that, uh, you know, finances are a big thing. Um, I think that time management is a big thing. Um, I think also when you are starting a project, one thing Fanbase always says is to do um, a contract, you know, and, okay. and uh, set all that stuff out. I feel like even if you don't do that, you should at least have that conversation ahead of time of what's expected of mm-hmm, everyone, mm-hmm. you know, responsibility-wise and, and work-wise and, and what everyone is going to get at the end, if anything, you know, so you can have those conversations at the beginning. So everybody's on the same page throughout and you don't have to worry about it anymore. You can just focus on the creative part rather than later when that stuff comes up, it's super awkward and you have to kind of navigate that and still keep your creative partnership and your friendship and whatever else. So I think those having tougher conversations in the beginning and honest Mm -hmm. conversations in the beginning is really helpful in the long run. Um, And then the other part was about keep creating Mm-hmm. I think uh, I don't know. I don't know if uh, <laughs> creation begets creation, or if it's just like you. You honestly, for me, mm-hmm. I think that I always have ideas running through my head, and I always have fragments of projects that I have written down either in a journal or on Google Docs or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And it's about deciding which one you're sort of going to pursue and, and invest so much time in. And usually, for me, um, maybe as things get busier or or whatever i'll need to adjust this but um certainly for penguins versus possums and quince it was a matter of like the things that keep gnawing at you are Mm -hmm. probably the ones that you are most invested in Mm -hmm. and that you should do um like for me if i'm like oh i'll get to it i'll get to it and it just keeps at me you know like Mm -hmm. in my head and in my heart and it's just like no and finally you get to the point of like okay i gotta do it i gotta do something with this you know Mm -hmm. and 
uh, Penguins versus Possums. Um, you know, not, not that it was like my heart, necessarily, <laughs> but but it it was like, oh, there's something here, and I kept revisiting it even after college. I kept I'd do like spray paint art with it, or I'd do T-shirts that I'd sell, or mm-hmm. I'd do uh, little fun, you know, short form things with it, and. And then it finally found its full life as a comic book. And with Ginsa, I had thought, oh, this will be a great TV show or, you know, well, and I kind of tucked it away. And I was like, oh, well, this will be a great comic book, but I don't know if I have time right now. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it, that, it just was like, no, I got to do it. I got to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and certainly a huge trigger being my family where I was just like, okay, I, I'm in a position where I know how to make a comic book. I'm going to make this comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, moving forward, I think. I don't know. I think maybe if you're if you're a creative person, maybe they're always just kind of coming to you. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I don't. know. Maybe it's magic. I'm not really <laughs> sure how to describe that. You just gotta get in the zone for the next 15 to 20 years of your life. I guess that's what it is. <laughs> Here's why it's great. He's a podcast that you co-host. Because guys, he's also a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> the tagline is. Uh, we take what you hate and we tell you why it's great. Tell us how that idea sprouted. Uh, and tell us what is your favorite episode. Okay. Um, yeah, I never in a million years thought I would do a podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm an avid listener, uh, long-time listener, first-time podcaster. Um, I I just, I'm not, I don't, I'm pretty private, I think, and... I would maybe be concerned about like what I w- how many Sanchos I would reveal, <laughs> um, but I I was just like I don't know, but a while back I had uh, actually I do it with John who also worked on Penguins vs Possums, and we had become writing partners. He's he had been a uh, writer's assistant on Supernatural. He wrote a couple episodes of Supernatural. Oh, yeah, super awesome. And I love Supernatural. Yeah. Oh, and I loved it. I know it's ending, right? I think yeah. this is... Is it officially over? I, it's, I believe it's the last season. Yeah, last season. But it's like... That TV show went for a long it went, time. I started watching it when in 2005. When I tried to start watching out. it because... It was kind of the replacement for Buffy. Yeah. And I just could not get into it because I miss Buffy so much. Exactly uh, the same right? for me. Yeah. 100% exactly yeah. the same. I was, uh, I was in 2005. I was in fifth grade. Uh, <laughs> we get I, it. Yeah. <laughs> We're <laughs> young. <laughs> I was 10 years old, and I was and I was just starting to realize, like, hey, I like this monster business. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, yeah. So I started watching that Uh in behind my mother's back. Uh. It was like speedy tooth and all that shit. <laughs> They're coming through the TV. They're coming through the TV. They're going to possess me. Whatever. <laughs> I get that. I absolutely get that. Um, but yeah, he... he uh, oh yeah, so he was a writer's assistant on that show and he had been you know, pursuing being a writer, a television writer. Mm-hmm. And funny identity comes into it again but his um his reps were like oh well you know what if you uh what if we teamed you up with a latino writer uh then you'd be a writing team and you'd have a little bit more diversity and blah blah and he was like well if you're gonna team me up with a latino writer i know someone and i'd rather just write with him we've worked together and you know blah blah Mm -hmm. so he invited me to be his writing partner oh nice nice so we were writing partners for about a year and during that time we, you know, we're writing stuff and, and, and generating stuff, but you don't get it as a vacuum, you know? So right, you, yeah. And, and we're going out on meetings and didn't really have any f- much to talk about besides Penguins versus Possums, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, we need something where we can, like, direct people to it and they kind of get a little 
idea of who we are, what our personalities are, and whatever. But again, I was like, I'm not a, I'm not a podcast guy. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and it was really the where that came from was John. That's his baby, I feel. Because mm-hmm. he said, well, what if we do kind of go against all the, like, podcasts and YouTube and whatever that are, like, saying why everything sucks? Yeah. Why mm-hmm. the thing that you love is actually a big pile of crap. Yeah. And you're an idiot <laughs> for liking it. Mm-hmm. Well, what if we did the opposite of that <laughs> and, and look at stuff that people are usually like, oh, that's kind of dumb. And we're like, no, we love it. Yeah. Here's why. <laughs> and were you the ones who did the Twilight? Yes. yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, my god. oh god, I loved it. I loved you? your entire journey. Was it you who didn't realize there were so many? Yes. When you started? <laughs> I thought there was like two or three moves. No. I was, like, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. That's fine. I can no, get through it. No, no, no. There was five. <laughs> five there long movies. Five long movies. <laughs> and the best one out of them all was the last one. Oh, it was the most. It actually yeah. was the funnest because it was the most ludicrous. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was. They finally went, you know what? This is dumb. Yeah. So let's just let's do, do dumb it. shit. Exactly. <laughs> let's just do dumb shit. That was the um, funnest one actually for us to watch yeah. because it was like, and it was entertaining because it was so bonkers. It was yeah. so absolutely. It was, it was so wild. Like the first one takes itself too seriously. <laughs> Sorry about that. The first one takes itself too seriously. And like, I don't know who thought that it was okay to uh, record the whole movie with a blue tinge yeah, in it. I don't know if that's just the entire like state of Washington in itself. Yeah. Uh, well, kind of. <laughs> so that's what I got the impression of as well. You know what bothered me was the like the the three keynotes of the piano that were being played <laughs> over and over again. I'm like, I never, what the hell? I will admit this, that when this movie came out in 2008... I don't remember. I ex- a, immediately expelled it all from my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I think it came out in 2008, because in 2008 was when I was in eighth grade. The, remember, we get it. <laughs> this is how I remember stuff. And I remember going to go see that movie and thinking in my middle school brain, oh my God, this is so amazing. Oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. See, it appeals to somebody. And that, that was sort of the challenge was like, okay, what are we going to find that is we can say positive things about uh-huh. this movie. <laughs> but see, it appealed to you. Like I think, And that's something that I think you learned through that podcast is like, maybe it doesn't appeal to me, but it appeals to somebody. Yeah. You know? And it appealed to a 13-year-old middle school. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> middle school girl who didn't have any. And then when I grew up, I, I went through the whole like, oh, no, these movies suck. Uh-huh. And now I rewatch them with my little sister because it's just fun making fun of them. Uh-huh. And so and now and they have they have a special place in my heart yeah. for being terrible. Yeah. yeah. You have a new, like a new level of enjoyment. Yes. Of I have reached a new nirvana <laughs> wow. of enjoyment. <laughs> I for actually the series. forced Eddie to go see the first movie with me <laughs> because somebody had given me the first book as a Christmas gift or because I was really into vampires mm. and I would read and I was a really voracious reader and I loved vampire stories. So they gave me that and I really didn't know much about it and I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is like really bad, but I need to know what happened. <laughs> so I continued yeah. reading them and I read all of the books. And so when the, the actual movie came out, I'm like, okay, I have to see the movie because now it's just curiosity and I dragged <laughs> him to go with me and he was he doesn't let me forget it <laughs> then, then I made him go see that he's like what did I just watch did you feel the, did you like the books or the movie better uh 
Well, I only saw the first movie. Oh, you only saw the first movie. I never oh. saw you any see of the other ones. Yeah. They are a trip. But I mean, the books, somewhat like how you're describing the movies, just got more and more ridiculous as they went on. And then the the last book was just yes. like. But wait, I always get this mixed up. Twilight started as fan fiction, or was it? No, gray. The shade, uh, Fifty Shades of Gray was originally Twilight fan okay, fiction. Okay, got it. Okay, yeah, that's a nice little internet tidbit history oh. there. Yeah. God. <laughs> 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 but I actually really like the spin, um, the positive spin on finding oh. things that mm-hmm. uh, that maybe a majority of people think suck, um, but finding positive things to say about it so i actually really like that and mm, the things you. that i see that you uh actually choose to do i'm like oh my god there was one you put up <laughs> not too long ago i was like oh i need to listen to this one because i love that movie even though people hate that movie i yeah. love it i forgot what it was but <laughs> that's, the, that's sort of the fun of it too is like and we also get suggestions so people will contact us on twitter or on facebook or whatever and be like oh you know i everybody hates this movie but i love this movie can you guys do this movie or mm-hmm. uh i hate it but i want to see what you guys right, have to right, say right, about right. it yeah mm-hmm. and so we we have mainly done movies and those are the funnest for me yeah. because mm-hmm. i love movies even if they're bad i just love the experience yes, of it yeah. yeah and um but we've also done like i think it was applebee's or something you know <laughs> and oh that my was gosh. that was fun in its own way just because applebee's it was applebee's That's you know and the McDonald's of the fast food chain. Yeah, and it was like we ordered every, we ordered so much food because we're like, oh, we got to experience everything this year. And I felt like crap. I bet. And then we recorded, like we were felt disgusting and just recorded our groans basically yeah. of, of our experience. Oh, but did you go during Twenty Five Cent Margarita Day? No, blew it. Blew it. And have you done Howard the Duck? Yes, we okay, did Howard the Duck. I, I I thought maybe I remembered you doing that, and that was not the recent one, but one that I was like, oh, this is one that I got to listen to. I love that movie. Me too. And it's because oh it was God. on HBO Leah back Thompson. in the day when HBO would play the same movie and over, yeah. over and over again. Yeah. And that was one of the movies, and my brother, he's 12 years younger than I am, was obsessed with it because he's, <laughs> he was 12 years younger than me. He was a little kid, and, you know, talking duck and whatever. Uh, I don't think he got the sex scenes, but <laughs> who did? Right. <laughs> um, but so, like, it's one of those movies that I just ended up watching over and over and over again and just appreciated the just – insanity of it all and I have such fun memories yeah. of it as an adult. Uh, that's me with the Mike Myers cat in the hat and the Grinch movies. See I'm not there. Yeah, like, because like, my, my little siblings were obsessed with those movies. Like, and it, we rewatched it recently because they're on Netflix. And I was watching it and I was just all like, I did not know that the, there were this many sex jokes in this Dr. Seuss movie. And another thing was just all like, this is. Basically, I want to watch this when I'm high because it's it's like high octane nightmare fuel stuff. Like I was just like, I was like, oh my god, they let them make this like uh, to a Doctor Seuss movie, to a Doctor Seuss idea. But it was like, but yeah, but I I enjoyed it because I remember I had whenever I would take care of my little brother, my little sister, uh, they wanted like Jenny put on the uh, the cat in the hat, and I'd be like, okay, we're gonna watch the cat in the hat for the fifth fucking time. (laughs) But how old were you when you were uh, when that movie came out? 
I don't remember when it we came get out. it. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to say they were like four or five, and I'm seven and nine years older than them. Oh. So I was twelve. <laughs> you well, presented like, your age to me in the form of a math problem. <laughs> I barely remember these things. <laughs> so was one of the episodes you talked about your favorite? Um, probably. Uh, Howard the Duck was definitely one of my favorites because okay. I loved that movie growing up. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the first one that we did, the very first episode of the podcast that we did was Rocky Five, which oh, is yeah. pretty universally panned, but I loved the movie growing up. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and then the... We did. Oh, we did Space Camp. Oh my God, I love Space Camp. That's one of the ones that I was like, I gotta listen to this because no one. I mean, it's a cheesy '80s movie that no one remembers, but I loved it. And Please take I my hand wanted to go to Space Freaking Camp. I did as well. And you're one. I even talked in the episode about how no one knows what the hell I'm talking about. There's one of the um, the characters who has a photographic memory, and then mm. like she saves the world uh-huh. because of it. Oh and I God. just remember that uh. part. Of the, but I love and it's another movie on HBO that I would watch yeah. over and over again. Uh-huh. Yeah, I used to. We recorded it on uh, on VHS. Uh, and I watched it over and over and over again. And oh I would God. quote this movie. Nobody ever knew anything I was talking about. <laughs> I'd be like, no, you know, Space Camp. Nobody ever knew what I was talking about. So it, it was worth coming here tonight just to have that moment. Solidarity. <laughs> For obscure and, and, 80s movies. I mean, so, exactly. Some 80s movies get all the glory. Yeah. And, Space you know, Jam. everyone knows. Space Jam was in the 80s. I don't know when it was. the 90s. <laughs> we can. It's going to be our thing now. <laughs> um, but like all the John Hughes films and, you know, all, all of those teeny, uh, teenage uh, movies. Yeah. But like uh, Space Camp, Howard the Duck, like there's... So many like B movie yeah. obscure ones that are out there that I absolutely love, and then I kind of forgot about yeah. uh, until like things like that bring it back up into my conscious. I'm like, oh my god, yes, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so now I now I gotta go online and try to find it. So I, can I, it. I heard about Space Camp the movie. Uh-huh. Never saw it. No, no. I, I but now I, now I want to go watch it just because you guys had <laughs> such a reaction to oh it. Oh my god, <laughs> I think it's on YouTube. I think we actually really so the premise is that these this group they're not all I think they're all teenagers except for there's like a like a very smart younger kid Joaquin Phoenix oh was it Joaquin Phoenix okay he was he was Leaf Phoenix at the time but he's okay Leaf yeah so they go to this quote unquote (laughs) space camp where you go and experience how it um how it is to be an astronaut and, you know, go to space and it's like just a, a fun little thing. But lo and behold, <laughs> something goes wrong Alien. and they, they get sent to space <laughs> Oh no! In, in this rocket ship and they have to figure out how to, how to, yeah, how to save themselves and get back to Earth. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. one of those premises where it's like really only in like an 80s movie like yeah. that. <laughs> Let's put them in a real shuttle. Uh-oh, we got to send them to space. Yeah. <laughs> But there's a robot, too. There's this robot yes, called Yes, I Jinx. remembered yeah. ro- the robot. Yeah. yeah. And that's oh really God. fun. It's, friend with, it's friends with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I just, I have, I need to take a moment. <laughs> okay, so 
Sebastian, yes. so you say you're an avid listener of Kamasi Comics, oh, and since <laughs> that um, is the case, you know that we have Chisme de la Semana. Oh, yeah. So we like to ask our guests what their Chisme is, what are the stories, comics, projects, or whatever it is that you are currently working on. I have something that I would love to share with you three. Off the air. I can't. I can't talk about it yet, but you're gonna love it. Um, Why do you have an NDA? I can't talk. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, um, which is maybe an obnoxious way to start this segment, but. Uh, <laughs> um, but beyond that, I, I've been working on some stuff. Um, I have this project called uh, Land of Enchantment. I had wanted to do this. I had wanted to do this comic book, uh, graphic novel, um, that's that has to do with. Being, it's set in the Southwest, and it has to do with uh, uh, Latin folklore. Ooh. And um, I had the idea a while ago, and then uh, without getting too deep into the weeds, a comic book came out that had mm. a similar sort of idea. And then the com- I read the comic and I was like, oh, this is nothing to do. Like this is nothing at all tonally or anything with what I want to oh, do. So uh-huh. I'm gonna so I'm gonna push forward. Yeah. And um, as I mentioned, my writing partner and I kind of went our separate ways because of this big thing I can't tell you about. <laughs> um, but no, we went our separate ways, and and so I was like, oh well, I gotta have um, a script that I wrote by myself that is very personal to me and blah blah. blah. So I took that premise from the comic book and turned it into a pilot script. Oh, nice. And um, took some meetings on it and, and had some people interested in stuff and ended up pumping the brakes for a couple of reasons. And, and, um, and now I feel like, okay, if something doesn't happen with it uh, in that realm in the near future, I'm going to go back and do that mm. graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, which could be, which And then were, everyone will want to make it right, into a, right. a TV yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but that might be later this year that I, that I get back to that. I mean, I'm always thinking about it right. but mm-hmm. in terms of working on it and it would be something where I threw out the rules and where I really right. looked to like David Mack, his style and, and just, um, you know, as traditional as a lot of the stuff that I've done has been, this would be something I did completely on my own and, and really use all my experimental art, um, experience, you know, to, to, to sculpt something. So it'd be very time consuming and it wouldn't come out for a while, but mm-hmm. it's about a single mom who goes back home to bury her abuela and she discovers that the creatures of folklore and myth of her childhood are real and they're trying to open up this portal and that her family is involved and um, it's a really... Ooh, sounds exciting. <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's really another sort of really personal story and something that I have already had a lot of fun exploring and and want to live in that world. So that's something. And then the other thing that I'm kind of kicking around, but that's just a germ of an idea right now, is um, so I grew up on, like, uh, Jason and the Argonauts and Seven Dwarfs oh, and, yeah. and yeah. all those sort of Ray Harryhausen stop motion animation monster movies. And I love Lord of the Rings. I love you know Game of Thrones, all that kind of stuff, fantasy. But I just felt like so much of that is you know very Eurocentric. Yeah, and Eurocentric mm-hmm. mythology. Yeah, yeah. Greek, uh, Norse stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, all those. I mean, you look at Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, and I mean from. They look like they're in medieval times, and then they've got dragons, and they all have English accents. Yeah, you know? yeah. And there's maybe, um, there's there's maybe to the south a like more barbaric mm-hmm. um, 
uh, you know, which is basically slightly the, racist. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, more barbaric, uh, slightly racist. Uh, connotation to the southern uh, tribe or whatever it usually is. The dark people? The yeah, dark people. The dark people. I was trying to find a way. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, we just gotta say it. <laughs> uh, the browner people are below. And, and, and I was like, man, but what if it was from that perspective or from, you know, it still can be a fantasy realm, but with a uh, Latinx uh, point of view and lens and, and world building, you know, inspired yeah, mm-hmm. by that. So that's something that I've been doing and I'm working on a, a script for that next uh I've been building it, and then I'm starting the script next week. So those are things that I'm kind of um, working on. And, and in terms of, like, big projects that uh, comic book or otherwise that I'm like, hey, this is coming next year or whatever, I don't have anything. It's mm-hmm. all stuff that's in really super early phases. Okay. Nice. But that was good cheese, man. Oh, okay. good. good cheese, man. Oh, <laughs> Including your NDA one. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on after that, you also know that we have a section called Juntos y Fuertes. I do. And uh, as you know, uh, it highlights noteworthy endeavors by members of marginalized groups that we think deserve support. So do you have any projects, organizations, groups that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, well, I think, as everybody knows, Puerto Rico has been hit pretty hard mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, lately. with earthquakes this time. With earthquakes yeah. now. Still recovering from hurricanes right, and now yeah. Yeah. earthquakes. So I think any organization that's helping out there is certainly worth a donation. And um, uh, that's on a large scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on a sort of smaller scale, I would say one of the, the best ways to support community is through independent creators and independent artists. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that sometimes we we look to like one day at a time or yeah, Vida, mm-hmm. or any of these big things, which is great. And you absolutely support those things. But sometimes we forget that like our community right here, that's yeah. doing podcasts and that's mm-hmm. doing um, comics and that's doing these things on a smaller scale. So I'll drop a couple of names, but I, I also, you all are so good about highlighting those people. <laughs> I mean, I guess keep listening to this podcast. Like, <laughs> but, um, uh, beyond that, like if anybody does want to reach out to me and tell me stuff that they're interested in, I'd be happy to point you in a direction of something that I think you would like. Oh, awesome. It's created by a Latinx uh, creator. Um, I, I'll drop a couple names. I think they've all been on your podcast already, but like Melina Chavarria, she's yeah, doing yes. uh, magic glasses, plus she's doing she's, – she's actually an amazing poet. I've bought a she lot of She is, poems. yes. She is. And I, I love it. You know, I've got pieces of hers in, in my place. And, and um, she's working with, I think you guys highlighted it last mm-hmm. time, but, you know, um, she's got that zine. Art, yeah. yeah, yeah. With, Art, uh, artistic zine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. It's hard to say. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, that has uh, stories and, and art and stuff from uh, kids that are autistic or parents of yes, kids. Yes, yeah. Um, and that's so important. Uh, Henry Barajas has done... Um, so much from a like more journalistic point of view, mm-hmm. and I think it's worth supporting that. I just saw him last weekend at a comic convention, and um, I have not read Jalisco yet, um, but I know you folks talked about it last time, and, and I think just all those things are worth giving a shot and worth kind of checking out, and, and y- you know, I, I just met Caden and Amanda last last uh, convention as well, Um but there's just always oh Saint Susia. Um yes, Saint Lucia, I yeah. love that. I um I, I get stuff from there all the time. Yeah. You know, I, uh, amazing. Again, book of poetry, um uh, a comic book about or not a, a short form comic about um, you know, the death of a father and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, I just think the stuff that they're doing is really important. Yeah. Uh, I believe based out of San Antonio 
Texas. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, anyway, the point being just like smaller creators that are doing stuff that can can get lost through the cracks. Right, you know? and, right. And um, so I think just supporting all of them is, is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, we also have a segment called On My Radar. What is on your radar? Be it comic books, shows, movies, etc. What have you been enjoying that you think people will enjoy as well? Um, that's a really good question. I feel like I'm behind on everything because I did have <laughs> a baby. Oh, um, same. <laughs> I had a baby, but I'm behind on everything. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> what a no, reveal. No, no babies in this, but I'm just behind on everything. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I always feel, and I feel like there's so much to consume now. I'm just one never catch up. Yeah. But um, One Day at a Time has moved over to Pop TV from Netflix. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I'd say check yeah. that out. I think yeah. it's a really, uh, I'm, I'm not usually big into sitcoms, um, but that's a that's a show where within that one family they explore a lot of different yes. points of view yes. and and I think that's really important um and then also Vida I think is oh, really a yes. great show oh mm-hmm. yeah love and that show me yeah. too and again there's very few shows that my wife and I watch together but that's a show we watch together and um that as well focuses on a lot of different pulls a lot of different points of view deals with a lot of different subjects yeah. within the larger sort of Latinx umbrella mm-hmm. so um yeah, I guess those, and I, I think that's coming back fairly soon. Oh, good! Yeah, Yay. nice. I um, I love watching that show in particular and recognizing all yeah. the backdrops and where they're at in the city. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, because it's for anyone who doesn't know, it's set in Los Angeles. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. it. Do but, they actually but, say Boyle Heights? Boyle, Boyle, Boyle Heights. Boyle yeah. Heights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just started watching Party of Five. Oh, how is it? It's on my DVR. I haven't yeah, watched it it's yet. pretty good. It's pretty good. It, it. Dude, I think I cry every other episode. It's terrible. I had to stop watching. Oh, what was it? What's the one that everyone was really into? This is us. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. I had to stop watching that. I I think I might have watched part of season two, but I would sob oh. almost every freaking episode, like crying and like mocos and uh-huh. like to the point where Eddie's like, are you going to watch This Is Us tonight? And he'd go get a roll of toilet paper and come <laughs> set it in front of me. And I had to stop because it was like emotionally taxing <laughs> for me oh and God. I haven't gone back to it because oh I was just like, I don't know if I'm ready to do that again. You guys are saying all these hardcore like sitcoms and like emotional stuff and I'm like, the last thing I watched was The Mandalorian. <laughs> I love that too. Yeah. I thought that was so Baby. awesome. Yeah, I mean, Pedro Pascal, like, gotta support my dude. Yeah. yeah. He's Latino. Yeah. Okay, we were talking about this because <laughs> I didn't know who The Mandalorian was when I was watching it. I didn't know, didn't know who, who the actor was. Oh, okay. okay. And so as I'm watching it, I'm listening to him speak, and when they took that helmet off of his yeah. head, I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I thought like, I I expected like just the way he spoke. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like total white dude under yeah. there. Yeah. And it's, I was, and so then I had to look him up. I'm like, he's Chilean, and yes. I was like, oh my yeah. god, there's Latino in Star Wars, another Latino in uh-huh. a, a major role in Star Man, Wars. Man, after they did my boy Oscar Isaac like dirty like that, I was just like, come on, Pedro Pascal, here are our last hope. <laughs> <laughs> Since Diego Luna's dead. <laughs> oh, oh, me bonito. <laughs> but no, it's seriously like, I was like. I thought Pedro Pascal was in this, but his voice was like so white, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I thought it was the snake from Game of Thrones. <laughs> and in the Game of Thrones, he had a heavy accent. So I was like, 
maybe I'm wrong. And I didn't think. Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. think to just read the credits. Yeah. Like, I was like, nah. <laughs> right? And then he told me that. That's then he finally took out oh. the, the, and I was like, oh, okay. So he was acting when he was talking with an accent. That's uh, not his real voice. No, uh, he does have a slight accent. Like, he actually does have a slight uh, Chilean accent. But uh, the modulator, whatever the oh, thing is, when he speaks through the helmet, uh, really, like, waters down his voice. Really, like, okay. Um, uh, sort of like when English pop stars sing and they sound like American? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah that's it. pretty much it. And I'm guessing he has an acting voice as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that he's kind of learned to do that. I have my customer service voice. Oh, yeah. I have a oh, my gosh. It's funny when Jen does it. Oh, my gosh. she'll be talking, like, whatever. And then a customer will come up and she is totally... Total like white girl from like the valley and like okay thank you bye bye and I'm like what the hell just happened who is, who is that <laughs> it's, it's so funny I had a I had a, a coworker when I first moved out here and she was uh, Salvadorian and I think Nicaraguan and she. I called her one time on the phone, and I hung up because I was like, I called the wrong person. Because <laughs> on the phone, it was so white sound. I was like, yeah. no, that's I, who was that? And I called back, and I was like, oh, got it. <laughs> what did they got? Code changing. Code changing. Yeah. yeah. Code, code switching. Code switching. Yeah. I got that shit on lockdown. <laughs> Dude, have you guys seen uh, the one that does La Abuela? Her name is Jenny Jenny Luza, Luzano. No. from where? She she does like on, a on YouTube. Oh, from she started in um in um Me Too. Yeah, uh-huh, right, yeah, yeah, right. Uh-huh. I like when she does her code switch. Okay, there's a yes, episode yes. she does the code switching, where her mom has actual British accent. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking about my insurance, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, she's like, who is that? It's so funny. It is funny. But she's I mean, funny. Yeah, she's hilarious. Yeah. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, um, so you said earlier you're not good about this, but I hope you're prepared, Sebastian, because we want people to find you and yes. to buy your stuff and yes. to support you. So how can our listeners find you out there in the big world of social media? Uh, yeah, so my Instagram is at Sebastian Artist. Um, my, you can, you're welcome to find me on Facebook. Uh, again, I think I'm the only person in the world with this name. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, I'm at S-M-K-A-D-D-Y. S-M-Caddy. It was sort of, I did poetry for a while, and that was my name. So, <laughs> um, but I don't I do not do much on, on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but you're welcome to follow me. Um, and reach out. I have had people reach out, and we start talking about other stuff yeah. offline. That's cool. Um that's it. And then in terms of the, the book, go to quinsecomic.com, fanbasepress.com. Uh, uh, it's available on – it actually is available now. Uh, yes. It came out on the mm-hmm. 15th officially. Um, so get it's, it. Get it. <laughs> um, so it's available on Amazon and on the website. And there's a pretty cool event coming. Yes. Up, so. Yes, So make sure that you remember that we have a – said definitive, what is it, the, the definitive um, bilingual edition hardcover release party at Heidi Hill Comics at 412 Broadway in Santa Monica on January 25th from 7 to 9. There's going to be food, and Jen, actually, I just recruited her to make the <laughs> playlist for the evening. Yeah. So, um, nothing but... Uh, <laughs> 
Um, and there's going to, did I say food? There's going to be, okay, we were talking earlier and I had this idea. There's going to be a photo booth. I swear, we need to get little packets of hot Cheetos to be props in the photo booth. Uh, so you guys got to come out. Oops. It's free um, to the public and come and support and come and buy the book because it sounds amazing and I can't wait to read all the new content. Uh-huh. Get your book signed. Yes. Yeah, we'll you all can be sell it and get your book signed. You can sell it on eBay for fifty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> she was holding her pinky up to her mouth. When she did it. <laughs> so, Sebastian, yeah. uh, was there anything that you wanted to share with us that we didn't ask you about, or something that you're like, okay, um, I really need to tell uh, the Comadres this or? Anything that could be personal information as well. <laughs> well, we we talk cheese here about ourselves, uh, people we know, people we don't know, anybody and everybody is fair game. Um, yeah, absolutely. I I mean mainly, <laughs> I, when you said personal information, I was like, you mean like mother's maiden name? Griego. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, why did I say it? Um. I, I just want to say thank you, honestly. Thank you for mm-hmm. having me here, but also just thank you for what you what you all do. You know, I, mean? um, I found out of a lot. I found out about a lot of different projects through your podcast, um, and I have said this since we were on probably the very first panel. But I, it's always an honor to uh, share a panel with you all, and and um, I just think you're doing the good work. So I just want to say thank you. That's Aww. it. Thank you. Thank you. Super sweet. I know. We'll pay you later. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. And I have to, I have to let all the listeners know that you made it a mission to get out here today because yes. you are from over the hill um, and far, say, far away. Yeah, and far away in the in the deep, deep, deep. I mean, not deep valley, but I mean, it's far away from me. Anything <laughs> over, anything past the ten is like another country to me. So <laughs> it felt that way a little bit coming over here. And, yeah. and you travel snacks <laughs> all the way to Compton to be with us in person. Yeah, and so we actually really appreciate when people do that, and yeah. we completely understand what it takes. To, to do it so thank you so much and we I've super enjoyed this interview loved and, yeah. yeah so it has been thank a you blast. so much thank you thank you so much I haven't laughed this much in a while so <laughs> <laughs> well Sarah usually does the sign off but she can barely talk so <laughs> this has been Las Pláticas episode 14 with our amazing guest Sebastian Kedlechik and we have been your hosts I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye. Bye. Bye.